0: Father God, just thank you for this chance to open up your word in this Advent season as we think about preparation and faith. We pray, Spirit of God, that you would illuminate these words that we get to read together. Even right now, God, that you would (coughs) remind us of just the incredible grace of your scripture, that we get to learn from the living, powerful, inerrant, Authoritative word of God. Speak, your servants are listening. We pray this together in the name of Jesus, our Savior and our King. Amen. This morning, as we think about the second Sunday in Advent and join in this Advent in Exile in Isaiah, this Christmas longing, I have a question for you. And the question is this: How are you preparing? this Advent season. Preparing seems to be a part of the Christmas season, right? As we think about the the value of preparation, we can just think about whether you're a Christian or not, that, that, that there's gifts to be bought. There's lights to put up or decorations to put up. There's Uh, a meal that you'll probably have to serve and and, and get together. There's events and and all of these things that we seem to to believe are important about the Christmas season. I was thinking about this and the value and the the call to preparation in Advent. In particular, as the uh, Smith family alluded to in the lighting, how preparation, we are to be a people who prepare with faith. And also just reminded that preparation is hard work. I was thinking about that just yesterday as it was raining and it was watching um, the U.S. lose in soccer. And preparing to go out and thinking, oh man, it's raining and we're going to go. And we've got to get all these sets up for the nativity. And just thinking about uh, just how much work it, it is and, and how much that we needed to get done. And knowing that the work is worth it, but also just kind of, as I alluded to last week, not really feeling it. And recognizing that, that, that in most of the time, anything that is good, anything that, 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 that we need to be expecting and anticipating, oftentimes there's real preparation that needs to happen. And today as we look at Isaiah 43, I believe that we're, we're given a call as people in exile, and we learn about some ways to prepare. And it seems to me in this chapter that we're going to get into, there's really two alternate ways of preparation for exile. There's two opposing ways that we can prepare with regards to our faith. One is earning through rituals earning through ritual and this kind of preparation creates in us this endless cycle of empty religion this is what has happening in the book of Isaiah and what God is calling the people out of they've been trying to earn something through this endless ritual and we'll get into that in a bit and they they find themselves stuck in this endless cycle of an empty religion But the other piece of this is grace through faithfulness. And this produces in us the the endless rhythm of fulfilled relationship. The endless rhythm of fulfilled relationship. This is really what I want to lean into today. As you think about how are you preparing, do you find yourself stuck in this endless cycle of ritual showing up, doing the things, or are you getting a taste of this endless rhythm of fulfilled relationship? Here in Isaiah, I think that we get this theme in the whole book of chapter 43. Now, we're going to really zero in right in the center of the message, but I think it's important that you also understand what is happening in the chapter. And as we think about how we're preparing We can learn from Isaiah. We can learn from his word to the people that are in exile. And the first thing that I believe the Lord wants the people to know as they're feeling this angst, as they're feeling this, we need to prepare, we need to do this work, is that there's this comfort. And this is how the whole chapter is framed as God is talking to his people. His people who have sinned against him, his people who have under evil kings, have have followed idolatry and, and wandered from the Lord, we see this comfort, and the comfort is this I belong to God. Turn to the person next to you and say, I belong to God. Belong to God. As you think about this, how do we be a people who live in the endless rhythm of of faithful relationship with the Lord is this key that we understand that we belong to God. And the Lord is making this point to the people in exile here in Isaiah 43. Notice what he says in the very first verse of 43. In 43, verse 1, it says, but now says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. He says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. I have this circled and underlined, you are mine. You are mine. There's this comfort in God's, in God's people as they think about all of this preparation that it's not so much about what they're doing, it's about who they belong to. It's not so much about these rituals and all these things that they're supposed to be doing. It's about who they belong to. It's about who their redeemer is. So as we think about this, we recognize that this chapter is framed with this comfort. But it's not just comfort. The, the, the whole first six or seven verses are this beautiful statement that we'll get into in a little bit of God's faithfulness to his people. But he also wants to be very clear that as you think about, as we together in this Advent season think about preparation, that we don't just prepare with comfort, we prepare with grace. And this is the truth, that only God can save us. Turn to the person next, next to you and say, only God can save you. Maybe say, praise God. Only God can save us. This is just reminder here as we think about these alternate ways of preparation. Remember, the endless cycle of of of, of religion is ritual. But that's the next slide. We have these two alternate ways of preparation. One is this endless cycle of empty religion. The other is this endless rhythm of fulfilled relationship. And the fulfilled relationship here that God is telling his people is is that he's the only one that can get them out. Is that he's the only one that can be their redeemer. And as you look at this here in the next section of chapter 43, we see this beautiful hope, not just for the people of God, but for all the nations. You can see in verse 9, it says that all the nations gather together and the peoples assemble. Who among them can declare this and show us the former things? It's like this longing. And then in verse 11, God says this. He says, I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. As you think about this Christmas season, what kind of preparation you are having, we think about this in this Advent, I would encourage you to think about this comforting grace That I belong to God, that only God can save us. And this is God's word to the people in exile in Babylon. And this is what frames the next part, the section that we're really focusing on today. The Lord wants us to know that there's this Wonderful comfort to God's people, this powerful grace. He says, you belong to me. I'm your redeemer. I'm the only one that can save you. And then in verse 11, he says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. It springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The Lord promises deliverance. How are you preparing as you think about God and his person and your relationship with you, we recognize here that God is declaring to his people that he's going to do something new. Turn to the person next to you and say, this is new. Now in the context of chapter 43, as Isaiah is, is prophetically speaking to the people of God, this is this is new that he's talking about is he's in the whole chapter we don't have time to dig into it but he's looking at the he's reminding them of when they when their forefathers were in Egypt and they were in oppression and they were also in exile and and he's reminding them that that the same God who got them out of Egypt who passed them through the waters who led them through the pillar of fire by or the, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night who 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 provided water from from a rock, that same God is the God who will bring them out of Babylon. But, don't put him in a box. Don't think that the way that he has redeemed, the way that he has brought them out back in the stories, we learn that, our faith is strengthened through that, but God is saying, but I need to do something, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to do something different. And he says this, is so powerful here. These words just grip me. He says, remember not the former things. He's talking about the ways that God has redeemed in the past. He says, nor consider the things of old. He says, behold. Behold is like this exclamation point. He says, I am doing a new thing. He says, now it springs forth. The language here, this is like a, a metaphor from agriculture. It springs of like a seed that has been germinating and is just starting to spring forth. It sings of, I've learned of this thing called winter wheat. You plant it in the winter. It goes through the winter. Don't see anything. goes through hard weather. And yet all of a sudden, in the spring. It's been dormant. It seems like it hasn't really even waiting and preparing, or as we talked about last week, anticipating or expectation. And then all of a sudden, it's—he's it, he's alluding to this agricultural metaphor of it springs forth. And he says, "Do you not perceive it?" He's—he's he's speaking to them, and he says, "You can't miss this." As you're thinking about being a people of preparation. He says, don't miss this. You, you can't miss this. And then we see this illusion back. He says, I will make a way in the wilderness, just like he did for the Israelites coming out of Egypt. When he led them by night, the pillar of fire, the cloud in the day, he says, I will lead you. Just like he provided them water through a rock, he says, I will give rivers this is a powerful word. Imagine, you're living in exile. You're living when you're wondering if there's hope. It's also such a good word for you and me today. You're wondering how this feels like a desert wasteland. This feels like a dark moment. This feels like so much shadow. Our devotional this week, in our Advent devotional, we talked about this shadow and light. And shadows, as hard as they are, they also reveal that... You must have a light source. And so we see this here, this new thing that is springing forth. We see comfort, we see grace, we see deliverance. But the problem here that the Lord is getting at is that the, the people of God, their problem is much deeper, much worse than simply being in exile. And simply being oppressed by the Babylonians, their problem is the reason that they are oppressed. Their problem is the reason that they are in exile, which is their sin, which is the fact that they had left their covenant faithfulness to God and had followed other idols. They had fallen in to the ways of this world and the ways of their own flesh and the ways of the enemy. And their bigger problem is themselves. Yes, in the moment they're in Babylon, but God, as he's saying, I am doing something new. We recognize that should he bring them out of Babylon and bring them back into Jerusalem, it'll, it might be fine for a season, but they're still human, right? They're still going to fall. And so what happens next year is once again, we're surrounded by grace. And as you think about how you're preparing, as you think about how you're preparing, remember, God wants His people to remember the grace. Turn to the person next to you and say this and believe this and say this, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. This is grace. Will you say that again? I don't know that you believe it. I don't deserve this. And this is this is, this is so paramount to this message in Isaiah 43. As God's talking to his people, the problem is they were in this endless cycle of ritual. They were in this endless cycle of thinking that, that all these things that they were supposed to do, these sacrifices, these feasts, these, these things, they were doing all these things. But if you've been reading through Isaiah, they weren't, they were following more of the letter of the law and they, they were missing the whole point, which was about a relationship. A covenantal relationship with the Father that speaks into the way that you live and live in righteousness and speaks into the way that you love your neighbor and you care for the widow and you care for the orphan and you care for the immigrant and they weren't doing this. And the Lord is correcting them. And He just said, I'm going to do a new thing but then he reminds them of why they're here and that's this next section here. Just to highlight a part of it in chapter 43, verse 24b, second part of it, he says, you have burdened me, actually we'll do the whole verse, he says, you have not brought me sweet cane with honey or satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices. 22-24, he's talking about the ways that they've been bringing things to him, the way that they've been following these rituals, and he says, no, you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. He's saying you've been doing all these rituals, you've been doing all these things, but your heart is far from me. But notice what he says here. Verse 25, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and I will not remember See the grace? Do you see the fact that we don't deserve it? he says, "I will blot it out." He goes on and he talks about Jacob and Israel and how they are in Babylon because of their sin, because they are—they have wandered from God. They have wandered from this covenant relationship, and so we see this. Statement of grace, and then once again, I just love—it's like a big hug of comfort. Right in the middle, he says, "I'm doing a new thing," and on both sides of that, before and after, we have we have grace, and then at the very beginning and the end of this section, we have comfort. And the comfort is once again this reminder that I belong to God, that God's covenant promises to His people, even though they have broken them, He has not. And the question, one of the commentators I remember reading this week, he said the question as we read this is not so much is God going to win over these foreign gods and these foreign pagan kingdoms. The real question we are asking is does God defeat sin? We know the answer. And we see this here. Look at what happens here. Look at the comfort here in verses 3 through 5 of chapter 44. It says this, For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. He says, I will pour my spirit upon your offspring. He will pour out his spirit. We believe that this is a reference not only to to Christ himself, but to Pentecost, to the hope of the Spirit of God. And my blessing on your descendants. This is for you and for me, for all who have confessed. They shall spring spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. This one will say, look at this, I am the Lord's." Another will call on the name of Jacob and another will write on his hand, the Lord's, and name himself by the name of Israel. You see what he's doing here? He's reminding them, the comfort is that I belong to God. And the problem for us is that we fall into the endless cycle of of ritual. We fall into the endless cycle of, of religion, and we miss out on this is a covenant call to this beautiful, faithful relationship with God Himself. It seems to me that there's some great implications for you and me today. There's this wonderful gospel truth for us today that I just don't want us to miss here as we read this. And these three implications are all about preparation. And the first is this. As we reflect on these truths and we think about what this means for us today, is that we should be a people who prepare him room. As you reflect on that question, how are you preparing, I would exhort you as we sing, right, in joy to the world, let every heart prepare him room. That you would accept the invitation of Advent to slow down, to reflect, and to prepare to have space and margin in your life for the Lord to speak. To just enjoy that giant hug of comfort that I belong to God. What is your only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own. That I belong body and soul to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. It's the same that, that comfort that is being offered and promised to the people that is promised to you and I through Christ prepare him room This last Friday we had our remember when brunch it was so fun to be together and, and 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 think on the things of God and fellowship and have great food and in that devotional one of our elders Mike he, he gave this devotion that really kind of stuck with me and he talked about you know we have lots of there's lots of characters in the New Testament, in the Nativity story. You have kings and shepherds and Joseph and Mary. But what about the innkeeper? What about the innkeeper? He, he said this. He said, "Them and the innkeeper." Talking about Joseph and Mary, he, Mike said, "Was the innkeeper rude?" Was the innkeeper too busy to care about Mary's situation? Was the innkeeper under pressure from a big workload? After all, a lot of folks were on the road traveling to their hometowns so they could register. He was busy. Maybe the innkeeper was doing the best he could. He perhaps had nothing else to give. We don't know. So he offered Mary and Joseph a spot a place with the animals, manure, flies, bugs, dust, stink, cold. And then Mike said, kind of like a dairy. (laughs) And that was his offer. And I was reflecting on that and thinking about this point about how we are called to prepare him room, and I think there's a lesson in that. I think way too often as we think about preparing Christ a room is... What matters here is that you prepare a room. What matters is that you let him into a room, and the conditions of your room is not important, actually. To our, our belief is that our rooms are stinky, dirty, broken, full of sin, full of mistakes, full of pain, and we are called to be a people who invite him into the room. This is what Christmas is about. It's about the incarnation. It's about the Son of God being sent by the Father into the world, into our darkness, into our sin, into our misery, into, into our world for deliverance. And the deliverance is the comfort and the hope of Isaiah chapter 43. And so as you think about preparing him room, that doesn't mean that you need to go and you need to do all the things and say all the things You just need to say, Jesus, would you just come in to this mess? Right? So as you think, as we reflect on this together, I just know that this is so paramount to us, is that it's about belonging to him and inviting him into the room. Second, prepare to share in grace. We live in that comfort, and we are a people of grace, unreasonable grace. We are invited into this. I I look at the communion table. I think about the fact that Christ our Lord, on the night before his arrest, that he got with his disciples, and he gave us a simple meal of bread and wine to signify his Brokenness for me, His blood shed for me. And every time I eat of this, I'm reminded of His grace, and we together are invited to share in His grace. And it's something that we do together, it's not something that you do on your own, it's something that we do in community. And there's something about a meal together with the beloved that is so powerful. I was thinking about this yesterday. Yeah, I, I kind of regr- was not looking forward to coming and setting up the activity, but I'll tell you what, I got here yesterday and we had so many people here that came to set up and we, we, we got it done so fast and the rain was nothing and then we had tacos together. And those were like the best tacos, burritos I think I've ever had. And I remember sitting together and just thinking like, I am so blessed to be in this faith community. To know that this work of preparation that we do together, this hard work that Christ has called us into, is it's a communion work. It's a work that we do with him when he says, take my yoke upon me and your, learn from me. It's a relational work and we're called to be yoked together in communion. Prepare to share in grace. In Mike's devotional, he said this. He said, I think we and the innkeeper should spend some time here with our King Jesus, who's wrapped in swaddling clothes. Let's adore with the innkeeper because we know that this baby, baby Jesus, changes everything. Prepare in grace. And finally, what seems to be the main emphasis of this text that we can really easily miss is prepare for something new. This is really uncomfortable, friends, and really exciting all at the same time. Prepare for something new. We know that if it's of the Lord, it will be transformative. We know that it needs to be the work of God. If we are to be a people in communion, working together, preparing to share in grace, that his work is going to be powerful. It's going to be a work that only happens by his power. We must be a people that prepare for something new. I've been thinking about that with regards to our church and the new denomination that we're in. Many of you know, we're no longer in the RCA. We are joining a new thing called the Kingdom Network. And it's really exciting and really nerve-wracking all at the same time. It's a new covenant community. It's a new thing. But I can't tell you that these churches that we're together with, they're so about the gospel. They're so about King Jesus. And it just feels like this is a word just, especially for me, to believe that, that, that the Lord has something new for us to do. And the Lord has something new for you as you think about how you prepare this Advent season. That we would, we would have this expectation that any day, any moment, any time, God can show up and do something totally new. That he really does change Everything. And so let's let this, as we prepare our hearts for communion together, let's think about these these three things. Let's prepare him room. Let's prepare to share in grace together, to be witnesses of the power of God, and let's prepare for something new. And when that something new happens, let's celebrate. Let's not fall in the endless ritual, let's stay in the endless rhythm of relationship, the endless rhythm of relationship. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for this reminder from Isaiah. Thank you for this invitation that you give, not just to the people in exile in Babylon and the longing for the first advent but god right now in this moment as we are on this side of the cross and the resurrection god that you invite us into this advent of longing for your return and i pray lord that right now in this moment for all of us as we prepare for communion i pray that this would be a time god where we truly do experience reality that we are a people who are called to prepare room for you, who are called to prepare to share in grace together through your broken body and your blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins and prepared for something new. So I pray that you would do this work, Spirit of God, and that by your redeeming, cleansing power, you would come into our dark, broken, messy, sinful, tired, worn out, Arts, that you would do your work of taking all of that on and replacing it with your righteousness and may we rest. In you. Have your way. We pray this together in the name of Jesus, our Savior, and our King. Father God, just thank you for this chance to open up your word in this Advent season as we think about preparation and faith. We pray, Spirit of God, that you would illuminate these words that we get to read together. Even right now, God, that you would (coughs) remind us of just the incredible grace of your scripture, that we get to learn from the living, powerful, inerrant, Authoritative word of God. Speak, your servants are listening. We pray this together in the name of Jesus, our Savior and our King. Amen. This morning, as we think about the second Sunday in Advent and join in this Advent in Exile in Isaiah, this Christmas longing, I have a question for you. And the question is this: How are you preparing? this Advent season. Preparing seems to be a part of the Christmas season, right? As we think about the the value of preparation, we can just think about whether you're a Christian or not, that, that, that there's gifts to be bought. There's lights to put up or decorations to put up. There's Uh, a meal that you'll probably have to serve and and, and get together. There's events and and all of these things that we seem to to, to believe are important about the Christmas season. I was thinking about this and the value and the the call to preparation in Advent. In particular, as the uh, Smith family alluded to in the lighting, how preparation, we are to be a people who prepare with faith. And also just reminded that preparation is hard work. I was thinking about that just yesterday as it was raining and it was watching um, the U.S. lose in soccer. And preparing to go out and thinking, oh man, it's raining and we're going to go. And we've got to get all these sets up for the nativity. And just thinking about uh, just how much work it, it is and, and how much that we needed to get done. And knowing that the work is worth it, but also just kind of, as I alluded to last week, not really feeling it. And recognizing that, that, that in most of the time, anything that is good, anything that, 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 that we need to be expecting and anticipating, oftentimes there's real preparation that needs to happen. And today as we look at Isaiah 43, I believe that we're, we're given a call as people in exile, and we learn about some ways to prepare. And it seems to me in this chapter that we're going to get into, there's really two alternate ways of preparation for exile. There's two opposing ways that we can prepare with regards to our faith. One is earning through ritual earning through ritual and this kind of preparation creates in us this endless cycle of empty religion this is what has happening in the book of Isaiah and what God is calling the people out of they've been trying to earn something through this endless ritual and we'll get into that in a bit and they they find themselves stuck in this endless cycle of an empty religion But the other piece of this is grace through faithfulness. And this produces in us the the endless rhythm of fulfilled relationship. The endless rhythm of fulfilled relationship. This is really what I want to lean into today. As you think about how are you preparing, do you find yourself stuck in this endless cycle of ritual... Showing up, doing the things, or are you getting a taste of this endless rhythm of fulfilled relationship? Here in Isaiah, I think that we get this theme in the whole book of chapter 43. Now, we're going to really zero in right in the center of the message, but I think it's important that you also understand what is happening in the chapter, and as we think about how we're preparing We could learn from Isaiah. We can learn from his word to the people that are in exile. And the first thing that I believe the Lord wants the people to know as they're feeling this angst, as they're feeling this, we need to prepare, we need to do this work, is that there's this comfort. And this is how the whole chapter is framed as God is talking to his people. His people who have sinned against him, his people who have under evil kings, have, have followed idolatry and, and wandered from the Lord, we see this comfort, and the comfort is this. I belong to God. Turn to the person next to you and say, I belong to God. Belong to God. As you think about this, how do we be a people who live in the endless rhythm of of faithful relationship with the Lord is this key that we understand that we belong to God. And the Lord is making this point to the people in exile here in Isaiah 43. Notice what he says in the very first verse of 43. In 43, verse 1, it says, but now says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. He says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. I have this circled and underlined, you are mine. You are mine. There's this comfort in God's, in God's people as they think about all of this preparation that it's not so much about what they're doing, it's about who they belong to. It's not so much about these rituals and all these things that they're supposed to be doing. It's about who they belong to. It's about who their redeemer is. So as we think about this, we recognize that this chapter is framed with this comfort. But it's not just comfort. The, the, the whole first six or seven verses are this beautiful statement that we'll get into in a little bit of God's faithfulness to his people. But he also wants to be very clear that as you think about, as we together in this Advent season think about preparation, that we don't just prepare with comfort, we prepare with grace. And this is the truth, that only God can save us. Turn to the person next, next to you and say, only God can save you. Maybe say, praise God. Only God can save us. This is this reminder here as we think about these alternate ways of preparation. Remember, the endless cycle of 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 religion is ritual. But that's the next slide. We have these two alternate ways of preparation. One is this endless cycle of empty religion. The other. is is this endless rhythm of fulfilled relationship. And the fulfilled relationship here that God is telling his people is is that he's the only one that can get them out. Is that he's the only one that can be their redeemer. And as you look at this here in the next section of chapter 43, we see this beautiful hope, not just for the people of God, but for all the nations. You can see in verse 9, it says that all the nations gather together and the peoples assemble. Who among them can declare this and show us the former things? It's like this longing. And then in verse 11, God says this. He says, I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. As you think about this Christmas season, what kind of preparation you are having, as we think about this in this Advent, I would encourage you to think about this comforting grace. That I belong to God, that only God can save us. And this is God's word to the people in exile in Babylon. And this is what frames the next part, the section that we're really focusing on today. The Lord wants us to know that there's this. Wonderful comfort to God's people, this powerful grace. He says, you belong to me, I'm your redeemer, I'm the only one that can save you. And then in verse 11 he says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. It springs forth, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The Lord promises deliverance. How are you preparing as you think about God and his person and your relationship with you, we recognize here that God is declaring to his people that he's going to do something new. Turn to the person next to you and say, this is new. Now in the context of chapter 43, as Isaiah is, is prophetically speaking to the people of God, this is This is new that he's talking about, is he's in the whole chapter, we don't have time to dig into it, but he's looking at the, he's reminding them of when they, when their forefathers were in Egypt, and they were in oppression, and they were also in exile, and and he's reminding them that that the same God who got them out of Egypt, who passed them through the waters, who led them through the pillar of fire by, or the, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, who 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 provided water from from a rock, that same God is the God who will bring them out of Babylon. But, don't put him in a box. Don't think that the way that he has redeemed, the way that he has brought them out back in the stories, we learn that, our faith is strengthened through that, but God is saying, but I need to do something, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to do something different. And he says this, is so powerful here. These words just grip me. He says, remember not the former things. He's talking about the ways that God has redeemed in the past. He says, nor consider the things of old. He says, behold. Behold is like this exclamation point. He says, I am doing a new thing. He says, now it springs forth. The language here, this is like a, a metaphor from agriculture. It springs of like a seed that has been germinating and is just starting to spring forth. It sings of, I've learned of this thing called winter wheat. You plant it in the winter. It goes through the winter. Don't see anything. goes through hard weather. And yet all of a sudden, in the spring. Springs. It's been dormant. It seems like it hasn't really even waiting and preparing, or as we talked about last week, anticipating or expectation. And then all of a sudden, it's—he's it, it, he's alluding to this agricultural metaphor of it springs forth. And he says, "Do you not perceive it?" He's, he's speaking to them, and he says, "You can't miss this." As you're thinking about being a people of preparation. He says, "Don't miss this. You you can't miss this." And then we see this illusion back. He says, "I will make a way in the wilderness, just like he did for the Israelites coming out of Egypt, when he led them by night, the pillar of fire, and the cloud in the day." He says, "I will lead you, just like he provided them water through a rock." He says, "I will give rivers." This is a powerful word. Imagine, you're living in exile, you're living and you're wondering if there's hope. It's also such a good word for you and me today. You're wondering how this feels like a desert wasteland, this feels like a dark moment, this feels like so much shadow. Our devotional this week, in our Advent devotional, we talked about this shadow and light. And shadows, as hard as they are, they also reveal that you must have a light source, and so we see this here, this new thing that is springing forth. We see comfort, we see grace, we see deliverance. But the problem here that the Lord is getting at is that the, the people of God, their problem is much deeper, much worse than simply being in exile. And simply being oppressed by the Babylonians. Their problem is the reason that they are oppressed. Their problem is the reason that they are in exile, which is their sin. Which is the fact that they had left their covenant faithfulness to God and had followed other idols. They had fallen in to the ways of this world and the ways of their own flesh and the ways of the enemy. And their bigger problem is themselves. Yes, in the moment they're in Babylon, but God, as he's saying, I am doing something new. We recognize that should he bring them out of Babylon and bring them back into Jerusalem, it'll, it might be fine for a season, but they're still human, right? They're still going to fall. And so what happens next year is once again, we're surrounded by grace. And as you think about how you're preparing as you think about how you're preparing, remember God wants his people to remember the grace. Turn to the person next to you and say this and believe this and say this I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. This is grace. Will you say that again? I don't know that you believe it. I don't deserve this. And this is This is is so paramount to this message in Isaiah 43. As God's talking to his people, the problem is they were in this endless cycle of ritual. They were in this endless cycle of thinking that that all these things that they were supposed to do, these sacrifices, these feasts, these these things, they were doing all these things, but if you've been reading through Isaiah, they weren't, they were following more of the letter of the law and they, they were missing the whole point, which was about a relationship a covenantal relationship with the Father that speaks into the way that you live and live in righteousness and speaks into the way that you love your neighbor and you care for the widow and you care for the orphan and you care for the immigrant and they weren't doing this. And the Lord is correcting them. and He just said, I'm going to do a new thing, but then he reminds them of why they're here. And that's this next section here. Just to highlight a part of it in chapter 43, verse 24b, second part of it, he says, you have burdened me, actually we'll do the whole verse, he says, you have not brought me sweet cane with honey or satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices. 22-24, he, he's talking about the ways that they've been bringing things to him, the way that they've been following these rituals, and he says, no, you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. He's saying, you've been doing all these rituals, you've been doing all these things, but your heart is far from me. But notice what he says here. Verse 25, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember See the grace? Do you see the fact that we don't deserve it? Yet he says, I will blot it out. He goes on and he talks about Jacob and Israel and how they are in Babylon because of their sin. Because they, are, they have wandered from God. They have wandered from this covenant relationship. And so we see this statement of grace and then once again I just love it's like a big hug of comfort right in the middle he says I'm doing a new thing and on both sides of that before and after he have we have grace and then at the very beginning and the end of this section we have comfort and the comfort is once again this reminder that I belong to God that God's covenant promises to his people even though they have broken them he has not And the question, one of the commentators I remember reading this week, he said the question as we read this is not so much is God going to win over these foreign gods and these foreign pagan kingdoms. The real question we are asking is does God defeat sin? We know the answer. And we see this here. Look at what happens here. Look at the comfort here in verses 3-5 through of chapter 44. It says this, For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. He says, I will pour my spirit upon your offspring. He will pour out his spirit. We believe that this is a reference not only to, to Christ himself, but to Pentecost, to the hope of the Spirit of God. And my blessing on your descendants, this is for you and for me, for all who have confessed. They shall spring spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. This one will say, look at this, I am the Lord's." Another will call on the name of Jacob and another will write on his hand, the Lord's, and name himself by the name of Israel. You see what he's doing here? He's reminding them, the comfort is that I belong to God. And the problem for us is that we fall into the endless cycle of of ritual. We fall into the endless cycle of, of religion, and we miss out on this is a covenant call to this beautiful, faithful relationship with God Himself. It seems to me that there's some great implications for you and me today. There's this wonderful gospel truth for us today that I just don't want us to miss here as we read this. And these three implications are all about preparation. And the first is this. As we reflect on these truths and we think about what this means for us today, is that we should be a people who prepare him room. As you reflect on that question, how are you preparing, I would exhort you as we sing, right, in joy to the world, let every heart prepare him room. That you would accept the invitation of Advent to slow down, to reflect, and to prepare, to have space and margin in your life for the Lord to speak. To just enjoy that giant hug of comfort that I belong to God. What is your only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own. That I belong body and soul to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. It's the same that, that comfort that is being offered and promised to the people that is promised to you and I through Christ prepare him room this last Friday we had our remember when brunch it was so fun to be together and and, and and think on the things of God and fellowship and have great food in and, and that devotion one of our elders Mike he, he gave this devotion that really kind of stuck with me and he talked about you know we have lots of there's lots of characters in the New Testament in the Nativity story. You have kings and shepherds and Joseph and Mary. But what about the innkeeper? What about the innkeeper? He, he said this he said, them and the innkeeper, talking about Joseph and Mary, he, Mike said, was the innkeeper rude? Was the innkeeper too busy to care about Mary's situation? Was the innkeeper under pressure from a big workload? After all, a lot of folks were on the road traveling to their hometowns so they could register. He was busy. Maybe the innkeeper was doing the best he could. He perhaps had nothing else to give. We don't know. So he offered Mary and Joseph a spot a place with the animals, manure, flies, bugs, dust, stink, cold. And then Mike said, kind of like a dairy. (laughs) And that was his offer. And I was reflecting on that and thinking about this point, about how we are called to prepare him room, and I think there's a lesson in that. I think way too often as we think about preparing Christ a room is, what matters here is that you prepare a room. What matters is that you let him into a room, and the conditions of your room is not important, actually. To our, our belief is that our rooms are stinky, dirty, broken, full of sin, full of mistakes, full of pain, and we are called to be a people who invite him into the room. This is what christmas is about it's about the incarnation it's about the son of god being sent by the father into the world into our darkness into our sin into our misery into into our world for deliverance and the deliverance is the comfort and the hope of isaiah chapter 43. and so as you think about preparing him room that doesn't mean that you need to go and you need to do all the things and say all the things You just need to say, Jesus, would you just come in to this mess? Right? So as you think, as we reflect on this together, I just know that this is so paramount to us, is that it's about belonging to him and inviting him into the room. Second, prepare to share in grace. We live in that comfort and we are a people of grace, unreasonable grace. We are invited into this. I I look at the communion table. I think about the fact that Christ our Lord, on the night before his arrest, that he got with his disciples and he gave us a simple meal of bread and wine to signify his brokenness for me his blood shed for me and every time i eat of this i'm reminded of his grace and we together are invited to share in his grace and it's just something that we do together it's not something that you do on your own it's something that we do in community and there's something about a meal together with the beloved that is so powerful i was thinking about this yesterday yeah, I kind of, I kind of regr- was not looking forward to coming and setting up the activity, But I'll tell you what, I got here yesterday, and we had so many people here that came to set up, and we, we 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 got it done so fast, and the rain was nothing. And then we had tacos together, and those were like the best tacos, burritos I think I've ever had. And I remember sitting together and just thinking, like, I am so blessed to be in this faith community, to know that this work of preparation that we do together, this hard work that Christ has called us into, is it's a communion work. It's a work that we do with him when he says, take my yoke upon me and your, learn from me. It's a relational work, and we're called to be yoked together in communion. Prepare to share in grace. In Mike's devotional, he said this, he said, I think we and the innkeeper should spend some time here with our King Jesus, who's wrapped in swaddling clothes. Let's adore with the innkeeper because we know that this baby, baby Jesus, changes everything. Prepare in grace. And finally, what seems to be the main emphasis of this text that we can really easily miss is prepare for something new. This is really uncomfortable, friends, and really exciting all at the same time. Prepare for something new. We know that if it's of the Lord, it will be transformative. We know that it needs to be the work of God. If we are to be a people in communion, working together, preparing to share in grace, that His work is going to be powerful. It's going to be a work that only happens by His power. We must be a people that prepare for something new. I've been thinking about that with regards to our church and the new denomination that we're in. Many of you know, we're no longer in the RCA. We are joining a new thing called the Kingdom Network. And it's really exciting and really nerve-wracking all at the same time. It's a new covenant community, it's a new thing, but I can't tell you that these churches that we're together with, they're so about the gospel, they're so about King Jesus, and it just feels like this is a word just, especially for me. To believe that, that, that the Lord has something new for us to do. And the Lord has something new for you as you think about how you prepare this Advent season. That we would, we would have this expectation that any day, any moment, any time, God can show up and do something totally new. That he really does change everything. Everything. And so let's let this, as we prepare our hearts for communion together, let's think about these three, these three things. Let's prepare him room. Let's prepare to share in grace together, to be witnesses of the power of God, and let's prepare for something new. And when that something new happens, let's celebrate. Let's not fall in the endless ritual, let's stay in the endless rhythm of relationship, the endless rhythm of relationship. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for this reminder from Isaiah. Thank you for this invitation that you give not just to the people in exile in Babylon and the longing for the first advent, but God, right now in this moment, as we are on this side of the cross and the resurrection, God, that you invite us into this advent of longing for your return. And I pray, Lord, that right now in this moment, for all of us, as we prepare for communion, I pray that this would be a time, God, where we truly do experience the reality that we are a people who are called to prepare room for you, who are called to prepare, to share in grace together through your broken body and your blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins and prepared for something new. So I pray that you would do this work, Spirit of God, and that by your redeeming, cleansing power, you would come into our dark, broken, messy, sinful, tired, worn out, hearts, that you would do your work of taking all of that on and replacing it with your righteousness and may you rest. Have your way. We pray this together in the name of Jesus, our Savior, and our King.